0: A Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Calling all Gen Xers. Were you born in the 1970s or early 80s? Have memories of getting up early to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings? If you can name all of the original MTV VJs without hesitation, you have found your podcast. We bring you all the spoils of being a kid in the generation of excess and a teenager heading towards a new millennium. With all the music... Games, movies, and events that shaped us proudly as Generation X as we celebrate Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s. Hosted by filmmaker, DJ, and lover of all things analog, Roy Turner.
1: Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s. I am your host, as always, Roy Turner, and we are going to jump ahead 10 years now to 1992 and 92, I could do an entire episode just on, like I said, just on the wrestling, just on the metal, just on uh, the music, just on the video games, just on, you know. From And so now we kind of get a chance to kind of actually do that. We've got Rez from the Toadies and Aaron Myers from AM cell, Comic Sales, Comics Therapy. It's going to be a comic Christmas, man. 92 outside of my own preferences was a such a massively pivotal year for music obviously with nirvana and the grunge movement and things like that and what's so great about 1992 i mean man there are so many records where i could do an entire episode just on one record so hey let's get into it and uh, come on back we're gonna get into all things
0: 1992. I know.
1: All right, so let's get into this, man. Come on now. I don't know how old you were in 1992, but again, I was 18. In 1992, the Beastie Boys released Check Your Head, and there's not enough is said about how that record not only succeeded, but succeeded in the face of this grunge movement after Paul's Boutique was criminally ignored and, and unsupported. I called up my old friend, Kelly Willis, we saw the Check Your Head tour twice that year and we did an entire special that you can hear on our other show which is of course DJ Tricky Kid In The Mix and we also filmed it for our YouTube channel. Something else that happened in 92 was the WWF Royal Rumble and that was my favorite Royal Rumble and I got together with some familiar faces from the wrestling world and we did a live watching party which you can also can see on our YouTube channel. hope that you're following This Is Wrestling on iHeartRadio and Twitter uh, handle This Is Wrestling with we'll just drop the G there at the end. The self-titled House of Pain record, think about it, Jump Around, began that year. Prince released what is called the *Symbol* Album. You might remember the singles, uh, All Seven and We'll Watch Them Fall. And of course, that's going to be on our Prince show called Prince the Encore. A few things I'm going to be talking about here that's very personal to me, is a band called Wool, who released an album called Budspawn. Not an exaggeration to say that album completely changed my life. It's insane to think that I know those guys now. The brothers Pete and Franz Stahl, who come from Scream. Of course, Dave Grohl was their drummer before he went on to Nirvana that exploded in 92. Uh, And think about this. Rage Against the Machine self-titled album came out in 92. Three of my absolute favorite records ever the first luscious jackson album in search of manny sonic ute's dirty and morphine's basically their first record good i love how all the records are just one title one word good yes i love them so much i can't claim i was listening to good in 1992 it took a very special girl many years later to get me on board with all of that let me take you into what it was like to be a young person because Senior year of high school, when Nirvana came out with Nevermind in late '91, by 90, very quickly, by '92, it was inescapable and in a good way. It was just, I mean, it was very new, it was exciting. We had moved from Arkansas down here in '87, and I spent four years in this tiny little town called Crowley that was equal parts a fucking nightmare. Of small town, if you watch Stranger Things, I was, me and my friends were Eddie Munson and were completely harassed. But at the same time, that I also formed my most long friendships. Uh, shout out to my man, Steve Ainsworth. He and I are thick as thieves and, and brothers to this day. You know, golly, 35 years later, late 91, we had moved to this area between Dallas and Fort Worth that is collectively known as HEB. Having to kind of, you know, start at a new school came with its own challenges. I started my first job in late 91 at Burger King with some friends from Crowley that had moved out there a year prior. The Berlin Wall comes down and all these significant things that will be talked about in in history books. You're seeing this happening in real time as a young person. In February, the the Cold War officially ends. Um, Golly, the fucking... Then Wayne's World. I'm thinking about that that started. Wayne's World, the movie was released grunge in seattle this year one of our all-time favorite movies is the cameron crow vehicle for called singles which is you know right in the heart of that and then of course reservoir dogs think about that reservoir dogs singles and wayne's world and basic instinct all were in the theaters in 1992
0: While you reminisce about your first kiss on a waterbed after a long night at the skating rink, we are going to take a quick break to fix the TV antenna and hear from these great sponsors.
1: Hey guys, while we take a break, I wanted to tell you something about my favorite venue in Texas uh, and maybe the world over. Uh, If you have never been to the Texan Theater in Greenville, which is Uh, it's you know a little ways north uh, on your way to oklahoma uh it's uh i guess it's about an hour and a half maybe north of of dallas uh it is the greatest venue in the world the proprietor owner and just all-around badass barbara haran puts on one of the most unique experiences you will ever have in your life uh she approaches things from a very different business model that i think the whole world should embrace and we would all would be uh, better for it. It's just this amazing uh, experience where you get to see uh, one of your favorite artists up close in a gorgeous venue, and dinner is included, Uh, unlimited drinks are included. Um, You know, she treats her staff so well, they're not getting the, whatever, the $2 an hour and relying on tips, and she she takes good care of them. Literally none of them have had to suffer uh, throughout the pandemic, thankfully, uh, Barb's just a great gal, a great person, uh, very creative, and just uh, just one of my favorite people. And so if you're ever in Greenville or even anywhere near Dallas, make a point to visit the Texan Theater and, and, uh, in Greenville. And as you know, we're working on our... Uh, uh, King's X film project you know as you know I'm a filmmaker myself and so we'll be should we be talking about that Pro- maybe in the context of Tribeca soon uh, but we will be having the film along with a live performance uh, with King's X there at the Texas Theater uh, as soon as we can get this sucker done so so once again Texan Theater in Greenville check it out
2: Hey folks this is Brian O'Halloran you might know me from
1: such iconic classic films as Clerks Mallrats, Chasing Amy Vulgar Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio.
0: Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner.
2: Hey, everybody. This is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith
1: films Clerks and Bulger. You are listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Joining me, fresh off of a, of a tour, celebrating their 25th anniversary of their 1994 seminal debut album, The My Man, Mark Rez. Rez, how the hell are you, sir?
2: Good. Uh, recovering from two months of touring. First tour we've done in five years, but yeah, it was probably uh, our most successful tour as far as number of people attending.
1: I saw the show on Friday in Dallas, and it was seemed like an old school reunion there. And also joining my man from comics therapy as well as am comic cells the authority the man Aaron Myers Aaron how the hell are you sir good just keeping on the grind 1992 is a significant thing uh especially for uh for res because that was the year that you joined the toadies right um it was late
2: 1991 but 92 is um yeah it was I think that's when I recorded did my first recordings with the band. so uh, yeah, uh, that was a big year,
1: yeah, yeah,. Cool. So well, yeah, I think it's cool because not are we you know thirty years of you being in the band,, uh, it's kind of thirty years of the band's uh, first recordings. Uh, but even crazier, you know, now that I think about it, you know, 1992 was the first year that you and I met uh, at, at Kenley Parker's house. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't
2: realize it was that long ago.
1: Yeah, so I was thinking about that too. I was like, cause I, I remember, because uh, Aaron, to, to fill you in, there was this little club called Mad Hatters that was uh, in this little area of Fort Worth, and uh, the guy that ran it uh, was a great friend of ours. Rest in peace, Kelly Parker. He passed away about ten years ago, and he literally lived like right behind it. So his house kind of served as uh, kind of like the green room in a sense. Mm-hmm. And his 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 uh, his girl Melissa would cook dinner for all the bands and stuff, and uh, and so you would just go to Kelly's house, and it was kind of kind of backstage, and uh, mm-hmm. and you would just walk uh, to the club there, and and so I remember. Uh, and I was eighteen in '92, and so that would have been the first time that you and I actually actually met. So you and I have known each other now for thirty fucking years, man. That's wow,
2: that's <laughs> crazy.
1: So 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 the very where's f- the time go? I know, man. I know. So the very first recordings would have been uh, would that have been Velvet?
2: Uh, yeah. Before that, we were on this compilation called uh, Heaven on a Stick. It was all uh, Dallas-Fort Worth bands doing cheap trick covers. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, this guy, Mike Malennan, who used to be in that band, Cock, and then later played for many years with... Um, uh, shit, I just forgot the name. Uh, a big nationally famous band, uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. Uh, but anyway, he put out this compilation. He's a big Cheap Trick fan and just got a bunch of local bands to record their favorite Cheap Trick song. And I'd only been in the band a few months and they said, all right, we're going in the studio to record this. It's like, hmm. oh, cool. Because I was a Cheap Trick fan too. What, what so song we did that. I mean, uh, we did Off Dieter Zane okay, from right. the Heaven Tonight album. Uh, and then just... Uh, a couple months after that, um, we had won this. Well, actually, we didn't win. We got second place in this battle of the bands. And the prize that we won was like five hours of studio time huh. at uh, Crystal Clear Sound. So we recorded an entire, like, eight song EP, recorded and mixed uh, in our allotted five free hours and then put it out as a tape called Velvet. Um, And we just uh, took it around to local record stores ourselves. Uh, And that tape uh, sort of in a roundabout way led us to being signed to Interscope. Um, I sent one to my cousin who owned a record store up in Eugene, Oregon, Aaron, (laughs) (laughs) uh, called Happy Trails. And I just said, hey, hey, cuz, here's a couple copies of my band's tape. You know, hope you can sell them at your store. And uh, he liked it and he gave it to the guy, the distributor guy who um, he bought his records from. And that guy had a friend who worked at Interscope who had just recently been promoted to an A&R guy. So eventually he flew out to Texas to Mad Hatter's uh watched us play and then set up a showcase out in la at whiskey a go-go uh and we went and played that and got got signed on the basis of that so tying everybody in here together mad hatters eugene oregon and the toadies
1: uh, i went digging and i found my original copy of velvet right there nice there it is todd and lisa we're working at Style Warehouse a record store here in Fort Worth with one of my closest friends, a guy named Keith Radens, And Keith was in a band called Anorexic Cafe. I remember going into the store to hang out with Keith, and Todd gave me this in 92.
2: That's kind of early
1: repertoire there. What a neat connection to Oregon there. Amazing Spider-Man 361, the first full appearance of Carnage. hmm uh, like, McFarlane had left, but it was all turning into Spawn at that point. It was violent. Cleese Cassidy is a serial killer. It's important to mention that Mortal Kombat came out yeah. that year. Revolutionary Comics is <laughs> the rock and roll comic series that was introduced in 1992. Right next to Spider-Man is a Metallica comic. None of that was licensed. Yeah. And the title cover was always this fucking middle finger that said... Yeah. One hundred percent unauthorized material. Right, it went on for a while. There's like fifty issues of that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how how he got away with it. Technically, he did not because you guys know the guy behind that, Todd Loren, was murdered. Oh, <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know if it was. I mean, I mean, it can't be a coincidence. In June of 1992, at age of 32. Todd Lauren was found stabbed to death in his San Diego condo. The case remains unsolved.
0: Wow. Um, so Where was Rod Stewart during that time?
1: Todd Lauren was well known in the gay scene in San Diego. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? When Image Comics came out <laughs> in August of that year, releasing eight ongoing and limited series starting with Young Blood, Spawn, Savage Dragon, brigade Shadowhawk, and wildcat this was the most exciting thing in comics in 1992 yeah. for comic fans i bought spawn
2: because it was todd McFarlane, and spawn was really the only image comic i stuck with for any length of time i
1: thought wildcats was actually pretty cool spawn was the only title that i was interested in continuing mm. to issue number two you all got number one I think issue number two is rarer of those titles. I would be remiss, of course, if I didn't mention, uh, of course, that the Batman the animated series began uh, in September of 92. We wanted to say rest in peace, of course, uh, to Kevin Conroy. The Cartoon Network begins in October, which was great because NBC in September is the first network to stop airing cartoons on Saturday morning. And it was replaced by things like Saved by the Bell and things. So the Cartoon Network kind of filled that void there. The X-Men cartoon pilot airs. So, I mean, comics are are, are everywhere. And this all started uh, in 1992. But what 1992 is absolutely known for, Death of Superman. <laughs> this has got to be the biggest thing that led people to read a title.
0: I would say probably 99%
1: of people who bought Death of Superman didn't even read it because you had to keep it in the polybag. It's going to pay for the kids' college. I love it because it transcends comics. This was a stock tip. This will be a seminal moment in collectibles and in comics. Whatever your holiday traditions are, we will be having a watch-along of Christmas Comes the Packland that you remembered what I had said about pac-man and christmas comes to pac uh and sending me that thing because i had never seen that before i've never known anybody that was a fan
2: of that pac-man cartoon so that stood out in my memory that it's part of your holiday tradition to <laughs> watch the pac-man holiday special or whatever it's like that is that is interesting roy
1: well, Christmas Comes to Packland is a special deal in this household. And I thought that was damn thoughtful of you to remember and to send it to me. And I thank you for that. And I thank you both for joining me today. Thank you guys yeah. for being here today, man. Really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to everybody. Something else that was very, very, very dark uh, during um this time uh was the whole jeffrey dahmer thing that seemed you know we're getting this this burst of fun and and newness and 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 peace and then here comes along like this generation's like charles manson i i hope that there's not one of those for every generation but it was like you know the scariest thing we would ever heard in our lives was charles manson from you know the early 1970s and now it's like the boogeyman is in, in in a much S- severe like I mean I I don't it's hard to even it's it's indescribable the crimes that that he was capable of and it's just funny how those things no matter how dark they are tend to also elicit some type of nostalgia not like oh I missed that time when Dahmer was you know but right now like right now if you go to Netflix, and a lot of the streaming services right now, there are like not one, not two, but three brand new documentaries, biopics. I mean, Dahmer is everywhere right now. And there was uh, is a current series on Netflix called Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Like, well, what you know? What exactly did this fucker do? Uh, I mean, I kind of knew a little bit, but I, I made the mistake of, of reading or trying to. learn how good this was, and I was curious enough about it that I thought, "Man, I'm, I'm going to check this out." I was set ready to watch it, and I was about 20 minutes in, where it's he's about to, you know, pull the trigger on his first grisly act, and I was just like, "You know what? I can't do this, man." And you know, and maybe more of a more of a factual thing. I know that uh, the guy that made Paradise Lost, Joe Berlinger. Has got a thing called uh, um, I think it's called like Dahmer, the Murder Tapes. There's another one called My Friend Dahmer about this correspondence. Uh, that's that's I don't need all of that, but uh, but anyway, if you're if you're into true crime, I have heard really really great things, but uh, about that Monster Dahmer series currently airing on Netflix. But being uh, a young person and seeing this in the news at the time, it was easy to ignore because we didn't have what we have today where. You know i I know way too much about you know the Kardashians lives without even actually ever seeing a single episode of any of their shows it's just it's inescapable and so if that were to happen now oh so so, so it's like you know I, I remember what it was like in ninety two and now I mean I couldn't you know I couldn't, I couldn't only imagine but uh but we're gonna take a quick break right now and we're gonna come back uh with the month of March from nineteen ninety two, the month that I turned eighteen, uh, and so much more. So stick around. To growing up eighties and groomed in the nineties.
0: Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media, our Twitter handle, at Tricky Kid 2, type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook, and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid.
1: Hey, folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. you might know me from such iconic classic films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Vulgar. Anyway, you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio.
0: Hi, this is Marilyn Gigliotti. Most people know me as Veronica from Clerks. It ain't 37. Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner
2: Hey everybody, this is actor and musician Scott Schiaffo, best known from the Kevin Smith Films, Clerks, and Vulgar, you are listening to
1: Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner Alright, so like I was saying, so in March of 1992, I turned 18, and you know, for a young man, that's a that's a, that's a big milestone that's a big hallmark there, and there were so many things that were, I was feeling around that time about that, being turned on to so much new music and largely in part because there was a lot of things that were around me at that time that I wanted to talk about. I mentioned my my friend Steve earlier uh, in the program is that what was happening was was that around 91, like the previous year, uh, through, and I talked about this a little bit on the 91 episode, but something uh, kind of a bit of a lightning bolt you know kind of hit our lives in the, in the form of we talk about forming lifelong friendships uh, when we had moved to Crowley in 87 we before our house was ready to move into we actually stayed with some relatives and those relatives had some neighbors and they weren't exactly next door but you know kind of up the street were these two brothers uh, Chris and Jeff that were musicians and in 1987 especially at age 13 I didn't know anybody that was actually had you know a drum set in their house and and could play guitar and all the, I mean, they were older than us by like you know a good five years fast-forward to 1991 you know it, it, even though it's only four years I went from ages 13 to 17 That's a that's a that's a quantum leap right that now I'm in my own. Now I'm a musician. I've got a drum set in my house, and and we're me and Steve are are jamming in this little tool shed we had in the back, in the backyard there. And this guy comes over because he hears music, and kind of find out he's in the need of a of a bass player for his for this new project. And come to find out, it was Jeff. And starting a new band with his brother Chris, that you know from 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 four years ago, it was such a crazy thing. Looking back on it, it being a small town, it doesn't seem to be as that far of a stretch. But at the time, it certainly was was a such a revelation. Anyway, they had formed a band uh, called Anorexic Cafe, and they were just now starting to do some of their first shows in 1992 and uh, so them being older and having more access to things and having more of you know advanced taste and advanced interest it was rubbing off on us we were being exposed to this stuff that we otherwise absolutely would not have been uh one of those being uh in the month of march was well first of all like i said like i mentioned the whole king's x thing came about uh thanks to chris at uh to to the drummer chris one of my best friends who who later on became, uh, was the best man of my wedding uh, three years ago. So, how hey, you like that? So some major relationships are being formed at this time. Steve went from being stoned Nintendo kids renting Sam Kinison videos for fun. Now we're of uh, something much larger and much more important. And all that began that summer in 1992. And major influences are being informed <clears throat> and so anyway and so his brother Jeff was just super into this band uh, f- up, up north here from in Oklahoma uh, called the Chainsaw Kittens and, and he was absolutely obsessed with their first record which was called Violent Religion that came out in 1990 and, you know, back then, I just, I had this whole thing like, oh, wait, yeah, you got to keep up with these bands. They they keep making these things. They keep making records, you know? It's not like, I don't know. Back then, it was just so strange. Like, what? Like, that band has another record? That's weird. I, I don't know why I felt that way. But, uh, but so, that's what was kind of happening in March of 92. That They came out with their second album called Flipped Out in Singapore. And it was like when I think of that time I think of that record Uh, I think of Juliana Hatfield's uh, debut Hey Babe came out around that uh heading into April now fast forward 10 years later I'm in full comic book mode and something happened on April the 2nd Amazing Spider-Man issue number 361 featured the first full appearance of Carnage one person leaves us one person joins us and, and that's you know, it's never an even exchange, right? Uh, but I remember very, very specifically, because again, you know, we weren't like, well, I was like watching the 10 o'clock news and and I was, you know, super informed and reading the daily paper and all that. But I, uh, in around this time and even long before that, whatever, Steve and I and his brother, older brother, Kenny, were absolutely obsessed with the comedian, Sam Kinison. Uh, You know, I don't know how well his comedy would hold up today. I would like to revisit it. Those are the memories I think about. I think about nights like what I'm about to explain to you is that this was also, you know, there was no blockbuster video. So in order for us even to make it a blockbuster night, what that consisted of, that there was a convenience store on the corner not far from Steve's house called McCloud's also was a a very central social meeting spot because it was across the street from the high school uh, socially and clicks were formed and things like that across the street and they would have this little wall of video games and VHS tapes and the actual VHS tapes were actually had a strip of velcro and so he had kinda like had like a cork board with a stroke with a with strips of uh, velcro and then the, and the the matching version was on the back of the box. So if you wanted to rent them, something, you would just take the box off the Velcro strip and walk up to the counter. And then they would just fill the, the VHS tape uh, box with the tape. Sam Kinnison had a special, uh, an, his first HBO special. And we must have rented that. I mean, we might have well just kept it. We rented that thing weekly, during the summertime, maybe every other day. I mean, I could do the whole thing for you now. And it was just part of our daily dialogue. I mean, there wasn't a day that went by that somebody, one of us, didn't do the whole, you know, ah, ah, you know, scream or quoting it. And, you know, I, looking back on it, it's pretty misogynistic, but that's, I mean, I want to say it could have been as early as 88. He had an album out at the time called Have You Seen Me Lately, and it seemed to be the corresponding one, but man alive, it was such a uh, you know he was had such a presence to us that I had just heard that he had died like horrifically like in a like in a fiery car crash and which is also eerie because he if you know his material you know that one of his specials he talks about driving uh in kind of like nowhere California and falling asleep at the wheel or driving drunk or whatever and uh and I remember I think it was also kind of like a Friday night and so what Friday or Saturday night would have meant. In 1992 would have meant that Steve's older brother Kenny would have come and picked me up because me and Steve neither one of us drove yet even though we were 18 or, or you know, I just turned 18 he was 17 still But anyway we didn't we didn't we were late on the driving anyway it means Kenny would come and get me and by 92 I think he was already married and living with a girl a Filipino gal and I, I went on to marry my own Filipino gal and uh and that's what we would have done we would have he would we would have been very excited he would have come and picked me up and then steve or or steve and then me and then we would have gone to their apartment and plan a night of super you know fun of you know getting fucked up and and playing video games and watching stuff that was going to make us laugh and what food we were going I mean just you know just very innocent fun stuff and which still even then even though we were no longer uh, resigned to just the local convenience store it, sam Kennison was probably going to come up at some point and so when kenny picked me up that day i said man i go I, I hate to tell you this but i i i think i heard something about Kennison dying he was like no way and we went about our but we made it a point this is what you had to do back then you couldn't just go to your computer i mean think of, that's what i really want to put you there you couldn't just walk over to your computer or this little thing in your pocket and go. You know, is Sam Kennison dead? We literally had to wait, and we, you know, we like we, we sit around being bummed. We went about our evening, and but we made a point that at ten o'clock we gotta tune into the news because if, if he had this, this would probably this would make the news. Yeah, in the entertainment news tonight, uh, uh, you know, comedian Sam Kennison uh, was was killed in a car accident. You know, that that kind of thing, and then they moved on. You know, it wasn't like, you know, know, breaking news. And and that's kind of sad. Anyway, uh, so what's crazy, though, is that he was only 38 years old. I guess because we were younger, everybody seemed so much older. But I think everybody was older. You know, like when you look back and you kind of go, wait, so-and-so was only, you know, in their 20s or in their 30s. I think just people were just older. They didn't live as long, you know, because I am 10 years older than Sam Kennison was when he died and I feel like I, I've lived half the life that he has and and I look at half that age you know and he already just seems so much older A great documentary that came out in 2017 called I am Sam Kinison you gotta check it out I was meeting new people it was like hearing stuff like from the Pixies for the first time and there was this guy named Matt uh, that looked just like or at least he had the hair at least of uh, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers And he was kind of an exciting, eccentric kind of guy. Uh, It's rare I look back on that because I've always been a leader. And and in in that moment, I was not a leader. I was a follower. And and he was the leader. And I was kind of following him. And he was kind of leading me into places that I, I wasn't sure I wanted to go. Don't get me wrong, I have got great memories of getting stoned with Steve and and playing video games all night and laughing and goofing, and, and I wouldn't change that for the world. When I moved here in 87, man, I was Mr. S- spelling Bee Champion, the, the nerdiest, you know, straight laced guy. And it wasn't until I reclaimed that for myself that I really started to feel like myself again. Around the release of Allison Change's Dirt Record, For whatever reason, I wanted to be cool and be down with this guy. He took me to see a band I'd never heard of before, the Afghan Wigs. Of course, now I know them. And I never had heard of the Pixies or the Flaming Lips. Suddenly, it's like, you know, I'm in this car with this dude, and and all of his crazy friends, and on our way to trees, he had very powerful mescaline that he had mixed with, uh, like, the powdered version of, like, Nesquik. They called it chocolate. They were just eating it. I can remember taking this stuff. We got in some hotel room and H-E-B. And like this was one of the biggest nightmares of my entire life. I got a head full of mescaline. I'm in this crazy car and absolutely terrified the whole night. It was one of the last times I saw Matt because school ended in May. So that's how I kicked off May of 1992. having my first and only mescaline experience with the Afghan wigs. And talk about things coming to an end, man, that later that month, Johnny Carson has his final appearance or his final hosting after, you know, what? Like how many years of hosting The Tonight Show? And so it has come to this. I uh, am one of the lucky people in the world. I found something I always wanted to do and I have enjoyed every single minute of it. I want to thank the gentleman who shared this stage with me for 30 years, Mr. Ed McMahon. Mr. Doc Severinsen. You people watching, I can only tell you that it has been an honor and a privilege to come into your homes all these years and entertain you. And I hope when I find something that I want to do and I think you will like and come back, that you'll be as gracious inviting me into your home as you have been.
2: I bid you a very heartfelt good night.
1: I think the next week, this is where Jay Leno took over. So Jay Leno has been on there, had been on there for 30 years and did it up until 2014. I thought it was kind of a neat parallel too that that David Letterman began in 82, Jay Leno began in 92. I loved uh, the Arsenio Hall show. And I watched it every single night, including the the Party Machine uh, show with Nia Peoples. It was kind of like the after party, you know, R. C. Hall. And a lot of people, you know, you see it now when you see that video of the 90s and it's Bill Clinton wearing sunglasses like a sh- like a jazz man and playing like the saxophone, like, well. Keep in mind, I grew up in Arkansas where he was the governor the entire time I was alive there. Uh and that, so that episode of Bill Clinton and Arsenio Hall aired that same night. Uh, but June 10th, the very first MTV Movie Awards began. Ninety-two by ninety-two, they had their own movie awards that seemed way more legit and definitely more fun than the actual Academy Awards. And also, Kate Upton was born. So June 10th also brought brought us Kate Upton. The Cure uh, had released Wish a few months earlier the same day as the Beastie Boys Check Your Head Uh, I remember sojourning to Texas Stadium I believe that was my first time ever going and it was me and Steve and Jeff from Anorexic Cafe me and Steve weren't going to be going to some Cure concert in 1992 without his influence I mean he drove us I think he might even got us the tickets seats is in a stadium like way in the back but for us it was just like we would have gone to any concert just we're leaving Crowley going to this very disconnected experience because the place was so big and I didn't really know any of their music I just knew that the girls that I went to school with were into them and so, and hopefully by being at this show, this was gonna finally get me laid because I could talk The Cure to them. And because those, those were the girls I was interested in, definitely, were the Depeche Mode Cure goth girls. That was my shit. Uh, in the world of hip hop, uh, and on the 22nd, Eric B and Rakim released their final LP, Don't Sweat the Technique. Technique. Eric B. and Rakim were a major influence on me. I never thought that would be a, something I would see in concert, and when I did, for the reunion tour uh, about five years ago, that was a, a major, major deal. Don't sweat the technique. Still, spends a lot of, sees a lot of time on my turntable. There, July 18th, Whitney Houston marries uh, Bobby Brown. And it's just crazy to think that, that that entire lifetime has 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 passed as well. And again, like I said, July 21st, Sonic Youth's Dirty. Man, I can't even begin to tell you the doors that that record, I love them so, so much. This was something new and exciting, opening up so many crazy worlds for me. On the new release wall was Sonic Youth's Dirty. Right next to the self-titled House of Pain record. The, The whole jump around phenomenon began right there. The same day that some other local superstar Selena Gomez is born. I hadn't been to a hip hop show until I went to that Beastie Boys show. So in August, I'm still very much a, a kid. I can remember us going to see like the, the 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 Ninja Turtle movie and Chris Smith made us fucking sit front row. I had a job now, uh, so I was starting to make money and I spent it all on concert tickets. But we still had to have somebody drive us there and, and with that comes compromise and and gives your you know, you, you would go with people that you didn't even really know or like just because you had to get there. All right. It's great support system and friendship and this little camaraderie of this little family that we had with me and Steve, his brother Kenny, and his wife Chana. And we went to everything that year together, man. And I, and I think about that a lot and, and what great friends we were and, and and again still are. So our innocence is quickly, after you There's no coming back after you've seen the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow, right? So suddenly things like Saturday morning cartoons. September 12th, the first network to cancel all their Saturday morning cartoons in favor of more like live programming like was Saved by the Bell, California Dreams, NBA Inside Stuff, and Name Your Adventure uh, under the TNBC banner. A weekend version of Today, the Today Show, which debuted on August the 1st, is also added. Animated programming would not return to NBC until 2006. Beginning on September the 24th, the Sci-Fi channel launches. And of course, with a broadcast of Star Wars. There was a guy that I worked with at Burger King that said he could get some killer ecstasy like the real deal not in and this is something else you should know in the news at the time this thing called um, was that Michael Alec thing you know the whole like party monster thing that was like a movie about this guy named Michael Alec and the whole New York City Club kid thing and all that Um, and their drug of choice was ecstasy and all that and I really wasn't quite exposed to that but I just had heard her talking about it and i wanted to be cool and please her and again i feel like i'm putting all of this on her it, it, it's not i swear to you like this was all me like she wouldn't hey you think you could get us some or here take this it's cool no if indian drive was like are you sure about this and um anyway uh and I I wanted to be the man, you know what I mean? She's my older sister, and I wanted to be like, hey, that thing you've talked about before, check it out. I can get it, and we're gonna do it together. It's gonna be beautiful, and all this. And again, there was this outside influence of some friends of hers that had the guy she was dating at the time had these this this these, this, this this couple that she he was friends with that became friends with us very briefly, but very influential. Uh, for, for better or for worse, this was really the year that we got turned on to the violent films. Nothing controlled my life more than, like I said, Vulgar Display of Power, Beastie Boys Check Your Head, and End of Silence Rollins Band. But with me and my sister, our thing, our soundtrack, because I was hanging out, like I said, on, if I wasn't over, you know, with Kenny and Shauna with, with Steve, I was now over here with my sister Nikki and her boyfriend and at this couple's house and getting turned on to all these new experiences. So, um, anyway, so the fact that we were finally going to see the Violent films in concert was just otherworldly. It was just, it was like the second coming. I, we, I, I, To this day, I cannot even think of, of any other time we were more excited about anything in, and, and in 1992, 68, 78, 88. She was only 24, yeah, or 22, 68, 78, 88, 89, 91, 92, yeah, 24, and um, and they were opening for the B-52s. Which, you know, they were cool. I probably knew a couple of their songs, but it didn't matter. I'm not a U2 person, but again, I would have gone to any concert. Anyways, we returned back to Texas Stadium for the third time that year. The Cure, then Metallica, and now U2. But more importantly, Public Enemy was opening. But I had no idea who the Sugar Cubes were with Bjork, and they opened. And that started a whole obsession with her. And in getting to see Public Enemy, and you know, in you know, in, at the height of their powers in 1992, was just really, really, really something. Rounding out November, something very, very political, two powerhouse political things happened on the same day, on, on November the 3rd. Rage Against the Machine releases their debut record. Think about that. Think about the first time you were able to hear Killing in the Name of happened on November 3rd. And that evening, Bill Clinton wins the presidency. We talked about him you know, during the campaign you know, with the sunglasses and the saxophone and all that. Uh, that same day, George Bush was giving his concession speech. Remember, uh, Home Alone 2. My sister loves the Home Alone series. And she, I think she likes part two as much as she likes part one, but not even, maybe even more so. And uh, again, and on November twenty third, Miley Cyrus is born. So Miley Cyrus, Nick Jonas, Demi Lovato, who else say Selma, uh, Selena Gomez, all of them are turning thirty uh, this year, which is which is pretty funny. And two of the biggest movies, The Crying Game and The Bodyguard, both came out on November twenty fifth uh, of that year. And uh, along with probably the worst movie I've ever seen ever, especially at the theater, was the movie Toys with Robin Williams and LL Cool J. Chris used to drag me to the Dollar Theater and we would go see anything, you know, just do whatever. And we went and that to this day, when people ask me, what is the worst movie you've ever seen? I, I think of that one. It's just abysmal. singles maybe some things that we didn't actually mention was Whitney Houston's I will cover of Dolly Parton's I will always love you was everywhere and it was it was such a weird time because it was right next to Nirvana's smells like teen spirit was everywhere and you know you've heard a lot about what's the line you know you know they were the ones to knock Michael Jackson off the top of the charts Michael Jackson was still as big as ever maybe bigger than he'd ever been even more so than Thriller and definitely bigger the Nirvana course was huge. Huge, but let's as somebody that was there, let's be real. They, they they weren't beating Michael Jackson, they may have beat him in record sales, but in terms of global awareness, he was still untouchable and rightfully so. That album, previous year, Dangerous and all that shit, was so fucking awesome. Uh, boys to men's end of the road, uh, snaps, rhythm is a dance. But I tell you this because I wanted to point to you and tell you about our 1992 playlist. So make sure uh, if you if you go on Spotify and just type in DJ Tricky Kid, you'll be able to see it or type in my name and check it out. And you also can add to it and do remixes and all types of neat stuff. Make sure you're following me on Facebook under my name, DJ Tricky Kid. That way you can also can see uh, all the stuff. There's links to uh, the playlist and all those great things. Tori Amos' is Little Earthquakes, Dr. Dre's The Chronic, of course. Inescapable Um that year so anyway this has been our 1992 special and you'll have to tune in to this is metal because i want to tell you how we ended 1992 and it was at a new year's eve show featuring exodus propane and ice teas body count at the height of the whole cop killer controversy. And that is how 1992 ended for us. That's what we were doing. And uh, so I, I would love to hear your memories of 1992. Again, email me, reach out to us, tweet at us, any another way, I would love to hear what you were listening to, what you remember, what you were watching, all the things that shaped that year. I want to thank all my guests, my man Mark Ress from the Toadies, my buddy Aaron Myers, the comic guru. Our streams, of course, on twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. We're now part of the affiliate program. Thank you for joining me this week, and thank you to my gen actors out there for Growing Up 80s, and we'll see you next week.
0: Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s isn't just the name of this podcast. It's also the title of a forthcoming docuseries currently in production, directed by our host, Roy Turner chronicling real events in his personal life of growing up 80s in a small town in Arkansas. Stay tuned for release dates and premier party information. Inquire within about investment opportunities on our website at tricky-kid.com. Growing Up 80s and Groomed in the 90s is produced by Tricky Kid Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. Make sure to download the iHeartRadio app so you can feel like a member of the Jetsons and be part of the future as well as the past. And make sure to follow along on Twitter at growing underscore up 80s for the latest in all of our 80s and 90s themed events and special guests.